Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 19 through 25. Verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a certain mystery that surrounds an operating room. It's a kind of a fearful place. Some of you have been there maybe, but most of us have never been in an operating room. And so it's kind of a mystery as to what goes on in there, what happens there, and what's said there. Now, I know you've watched uh, St. Elsewhere, and there's Ehrlich and... and uh, Dr. Craig and all that. If that's what goes on in an operating room, God deliver me from an operating room. It's a, it's, but it is, it is a, a mysterious kind of thing. Here a while back I was visiting a Presbyterian hospital in Dallas and I was in the new building that's just opened over there. I'd never been in there before. And I was coming down the elevator from about the fourth floor. I wanted to get out of there, get outside, so I push the button, the G button, I, that stood for ground level. And, and so when I got out, on, when, it, when it opened and I stepped out, I knew that it looked strangely different than from where I came to get in there, to go up to the fourth floor. But I thought, well, you know, I'll give her a shot. So I took off down the hall and took a right and stumbled in to the operating room. It didn't take me long to realize that I was in the wrong place. And this, this lady came out, this nurse, looked like Patton. And, uh, and she said, can I help you? And I said, well, you might help me get out of here. I think I am totally lost. And she said, well, this is the operating room. And I, I moved on out. Uh, post haste on down the hall and, and got out of there. Now, there was one reason why I wasn't welcome there. There's a thing called germs. I was defiled, contaminated. And the only way that I could be at home in that mysterious place in Presbyterian Hospital was to be cleansed, to be sterilized and to, and to know the physician who would invite me into the operating room. Only two ways I could be there. Now there was this mysterious room that no one could enter. It was the holiest place in all the world. And there was this big veil that hung there and the veil could have had a sign on it that said, keep out. And it hung there because no one was permitted in this little room 
except the high priest and not without cleansing and only once a year. And then someday, one day, somebody took the sign down. And that veil that separated the holiest place in the world from the rest of us was rent from top to bottom and the sign that said stay out was replaced with a big bold sign that, that said come on in and that sign that said you're not welcome was replaced by you're welcomed here. And isn't it amazing how we stay away from that holy place where God is at work. That's what this passage is about. And if you're following in your worksheet, this, this passage has a statement. I want to make the statement this passage makes. I'll let you write it in if you like. The statement is this. God invites us. God invites us all to enter the sacred place where He is at work and He welcomes us to come on in and become His assistant in His operation in the world. That's a long statement, so I need to make it again. God invites us all to come in to where He is at work, and He invites us, to welcomes us to be His assistant in His operation in the world. And God hangs out His welcome sign on the door of His house. That's the statement. Now there is a structure to this passage. I want to give you the structure. It has two facts. And these two facts begin with the word since. And they are verses 19, 20, and 21. And it has three commands. And the three commands begin with the words, let us. And they are found in verses 22, 23, and 24. So that the structure of the passage, very simple outline, two facts beginning with the word since, and three commands beginning with the words let us. Let's look first of all at the two facts. The first fact is found in verse 19. I want to read that again. Since therefore, brethren... We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And this is the fact that Jesus' blood has opened the way to God. Jesus' blood has opened the way in to this mysterious place where God is. Now notice that we are to be able that we are to able to come with confidence. It's a confident way. For centuries there was no confidence to enter that place. As a matter of fact, if you stumbled into it, you were dead on the spot. It was a holy place where only God was. Second fact, that Jesus' presence fills the house. Now, if somehow you were able to see with spiritual eyes the spiritual world, somehow God just gave you spiritual eyes and you could kind of peek through the keyhole of this house that he refers to, you would see in spiritual form the Lord Jesus filling the house. Now, I need to clarify quickly what is referred to here in, in Scripture as the house. 
Some people say that that's a reference to heaven. It's what heaven's all about. In my Father's house are many mansions. And that what he's talking about when he talks about and Jesus the high priest is over the house of God, that he's talking about heaven, that one day we'll get to heaven where God is. There are some who say that this is a reference to the church, the sanctuary, so that you kind of draw aside and into this quiet place you come. I say that word quiet loosely. And into this quiet sanctuary you come where you meet God. Let me submit what I believe is this house, verse 21, this holy place, verse 19, is, are you ready for this? Is inside of you. This house is you. Now, we are made up of a body which is like the inner part of the, tab- the outer part of the tabernacle, and we are made up of spirit or soul, which is the inner sanctum of a man, the inner sanctum of a believer. And in this inner sanctum, in the soul, in the spirit of a man, Christ Himself dwells and rules that place. This house is you. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. In fact, I don't want you to. I want you to look at some scripture with me. We're going to turn back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 3. We'll look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 reads, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Turn back a few more pages to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is just back, just a little ways, to chapter 6. And I want us to look at verse 16. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16 reads, Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, they shall be my people. Turn back a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Now what these passages say is this, that you are the dwelling place of the, of the Most High God, that, in the, when, that when you receive Jesus Christ, God comes to indwell you in the person of the Holy Spirit who is the other Jesus, and He makes Himself at home inside you. What a mind-boggling thought. Now, turn back to one other passage, and that is Isaiah 66, written hundreds of years before the book of Hebrews, chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Let me read those, and you're turning now, I hope. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, And the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? Where is, what are you going to build where I can dwell? 
For my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord, as the result of my work. But to this one I will look. In other words, to this one I will look for a dwelling place. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit, who trembles at my word. Now, now what that says is that, that God looks to the man who is humble and contrite, who trembles at his word, and that is where God makes himself at home. You've been feeling lonely these days? Um, I got to church this afternoon and I was so busy. As I walked in a door, it was a guy stand, sitting right out there in a chair. And, and he said, uh, are you a preacher? I said, yes, sir, I am, young guy. He said, can I talk to you a little bit? I said, well, come, of course, come on in. I'm like, oh, great. And, and, and he said, and he said, you know, he said, he said, I'm 27 years old. And he said, I was thrown out of my house today. He said, I know I'm pretty old. He said, I, 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 uh, I, but I love to live at home. And he said, I can't get along with my, my stepfather. And he said, we got into this fight. And he said, he, he got me down and he went through this whole deal. He said, and he throw, threw me out of the house. He said, I, I got on the highway. He said, I hitchhiked up here to, to Duran, living down at Yuba. And you know, my heart began to open up to that young man. And so we began to talk. And he told me about, you know, getting in the Navy, quitting school. I was up at OSU and quit it, got out of school and went into the Navy. And, and he got out discharged from the Navy with a medical discharge. And he told me about this lonely life that he was living. I asked him about, well, do you have family? He said, I don't have any family. I said, you don't have grandparents? He said, they're all dead. I said, what about your real father? He said, he's dead. I said, well, what about your friends you grew up with at Yuba in your high school? He said, they're all gone. And he said, you know, and, 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 and it's just the saddest story. And he said, I am absolutely and totally alone in this world. You ever felt like that? Let me, let me tell you, you are not alone. There is, there is one who has moved in to make himself at home in your spirit and indwells you. And, and are you feeling a little bit out of control and you're having to deal with some habits that are, about to, that are disturbing you and about to destroy you? There is one high priest who is over this house whose house you are. And this is what one commentator says about it. He says, the writer is describing that the indwelling Christ by the Spirit, the recognition of an indwelling Christ who offers to clothe himself with our personality is totally prepared to live his life over again in our circumstances right where we are. This is the greatest truth of the Christian faith. Christianity is not some feeble effort on our part to live a shabby imitation of Jesus Christ. Christianity is Jesus Christ living His life again through us right where we are.
We have a completely available and thoroughly able priest in control of the house of God whose house we are. And what he's saying is this, we just need to, we need to draw near to this inner sanctum to the heart of God, to this one who indwells you, who is closer than your breath. That's the, that's the fact. These are the commands. Draw near, speak out, and stir up. Verses 22 through 25. Three commands. Now the first command, he says, we're to draw, he said, draw near, come on in, let's get acquainted, let's get to know one another. And there are three particulars about drawing near, three essentials to drawing near. Are you listening, watching this? The three essentials are this, are these. The full assurance of faith, sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience, and bodies that are washed with pure water. These are the particulars for drawing near. Now, now you need to hang on to this. So you don't get this by osmosis. We're going to draw near to this one who indwells us. There are three essentials necessary for drawing near. Full assurance, a conscience that's been sprinkled, and bodies that have been washed with pure water. Now, what on earth is he saying? Well, in the first place, when he says in full assurance, he's saying that my journey into the Spirit is a faith journey and I come to God with the full assurance that I will be received. And I come to God with a full assurance that my inadequacy will be met with His adequacy and my ignorance will be met with His wisdom. I'm drawing near to God in full assurance. You see, without faith it's impossible to please Him. When he talks about sprinkling the conscience, he's talking about having that relationship with God that enables us to be free of guilt. Now, when you have a when you have you, you feel it, when you feel guilty about something you've done to another or something that's happened between you and another person, what, what do you want to do? You want to walk up to them, put your arm around them, say, "Okay, buddy, let's go have a cup of coffee." No, you want to avoid them. And as long as you have this guilt, you know, and the conscience bothering you, you don't want to draw near to God. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it kinda, it's a vicious cycle, and, you know. Sometimes I neglect my prayer time, you know, and my walk with God, on, you know, in the morning time. And all day long I'm thinking, I need to spend some time with God, but I feel so guilty about the fact that I've neglected to spend time with God. I stay away. Isn't that amazing? And we have this guilty conscience needs to be sprinkled, he said. And then he says we, have to, we, we must have bodies that have been washed by pure water. Some people say, well, that's baptism. No, I don't know of any baptismal water that's pure water. What he's talking about there is the washing of the, of the water by the Word. You remember when Jesus told Simon Peter, I'm going to wash you? He said, you're not going to wash me. He said, well, unless I wash your feet, we'll have no part with one another. 
What he's talking about is the cleansing from the, from the, from the grime, the sin of the daily walk. And, he's, and that washing of the water by the Word is, as I get into the Word, it cleanses me. Now, now what he's saying is that these things are the things that keep us from God. A lack of faith, guilty conscience, and an unclean life. And so to draw near to God, these things must take place. Second, he said, speak out. That is, hold fast the confession of our hope. You see that in, in um, verse 23 or 4, wherever it is? Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That is, speak out the confession of hope. Now, where is your hope based? Where is it placed? It's placed in the one who is faithful. Um, I wish I could say it with enough sincerity that you'd, you'd kind of feel my heart. You and I ought never to be discouraged. We have the hope that the world is looking for. And what we can hold out to young men 27 years of age who have no one is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Then he said, let us stir up in love. Notice the progression. We draw near in faith, we speak out in hope, and we stir up in love. There's three things that abide, faith, hope, and love in that very progression. Look at what he says. He says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling. Let us consider how to stir one another up to good deeds. Now, it's, it, it says two things. It says that we do not live isolated lives and cannot. And it says, secondly, that we are to be committed to a ministry of encouragement. We are committed to affirming one another. So that what we do when we come together on Sunday, Mark, as we were uh, getting ready for the baptistry tonight, baptism tonight, we were talking about Preparing sermons, you know, getting ready for some, getting sermon preparation. And, and uh, Mark's done some preaching, and we've kind of agreed back there that it's a little bit more difficult than it seems to prepare Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and Friday noon and all that good stuff. And, 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 and it becomes such a burden, you know, from week after week because for the most part, a great majority of us come, come together on Sunday and we, we, the purpose of our coming together is what we're going to get. I hope that preacher has something good for me today because I feel lousy. He better really be on top, on his toes today because I really feel you know, kind of out of it. And, and, and we just kind of come hoping that somebody will do something good for us. And what the author of the book of Hebrews is saying is this, that your, 
you and I are to be committed to a ministry of affirming others and that our main and, 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 and profound and fundamental consideration is this, how can I help my brother? Somebody said we've got the balcony folks and we've got the basement folks. The basement folks are the folks who are always pulling us down and the balcony folks are always saying you can do it. You're there. They're always calling us up where to be the balcony folks. Now there are two applications. The first application is this, that it is possible to have a holy place within a human body. It is possible to have a holy place by the way, you say, what about the warning? I've got to get that next week. It is possible to have a holy place within the human body, this body of yours. Remember that, gang. Remember that, kids. Is the place where God lives. And whatever you decide to do with your body, remember that what you're doing with your body is taking the dwelling place of God and putting it there. So what goes in to this body and what is done in this body must be done in the awareness that it is where God Himself has chosen to make Himself at home. Second application. I want you to be sure and get what I'm trying to say with this one. It is impossible to communicate Christ correctly outside this house. Now let me explain what I mean. We have the Word of God printed. That's this that I hold in my hand. But the living Word is His body, whose body you are. Somebody said that during the war a bombing raid came over in Germany and, and this marvelous, beautiful statue of Christ in this great cathedral was bombed and, and, and broken. And they took the statue and they put all the pieces together, got it all put back together except the hands were so shattered and destroyed they couldn't put them back. And they thought about, you know, making new hands for the statue, but that wouldn't work because the statue was somewhat old and it wouldn't match. And so they decided on this. They decided to leave the hands off the statue and put up this inscription that said, We... Our hands are the only hands Jesus has. It's impossible to communicate Christ correctly outside this body. Now let me be careful. Let me help you to see what that means. You can give witness. You can share this written word 
profoundly and effectively Sunday after Sunday, and you can go across the street and give your witness effectively. You can do the Roman road and the evangelism explosion outline verbatim, but if your life doesn't live up to that, that witness will be nullified. You cannot communicate Christ effectively, correctly, correctly outside this body. And uh, Paul Brand and, Ele- and Alex Young have a marvelous little book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. I'm going to preach from the idea from that book next week. This is what it says. Listen to this statement. When people say, where is God? We no longer point to the Holy of Holies and say, God is in there. And when people say, where is God? We no longer point to a carpenter and say, there is God. We point to the man or the woman in whom God dwells. And we say, there is where God is. I want to ask you a very serious question. Can anybody point to your life and say, there goes the holy place where God lives? Has anybody seen God lately? I've seen His house, whose house we are. Let's pray together. Father, the book of Hebrews is such a profound word from You. And we thank You for its truth, searching, challenging, stretching truth. And I pray that You'll help us to see that in our innermost being, in the inner sanctum of our spirit, God in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has chosen to abide and to live. Our friend, our Savior, inviting us to draw near to Him without guilt, free from guilt, cleansed, asking us to come into where He's at work and be His assistant. Oh, what a blessed thought. Help us, Lord, to appropriate that truth in reality tonight. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Now we have three invitations tonight. First invitation is an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, to invite Him to come into your heart and life. An invitation to draw into a new level of living, draw near to the Lord, rededication, the recommitment of your life to join our church if you feel God leading you to place your life in this family and this fellowship where we can stir one another up to love we invite you to do that while we stand to sing you come oh, to Jesus, I...
from the earth. That's wisdom that's based entirely upon our perception and our understanding what goes on. But he said, I want a church that operates on the basis of divine wisdom. Now here's the way you get it. You become a fool. You just be a fool. And this is the way you become one. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for allowing us just to peek into your word. Understand what's there, Lord, and, and grasp some things for us that we can apply directly to life, Lord, and we can take with us day by day, in and out. And I pray that this word will be fruitful in the lives of people. Lord, we've been faithful to be here. We've been faithful to say what you wanted us to say now, Lord. The result is yours, up to you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in knowing that we can just be available and leave the results to you. Because I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to give an invitation tonight. In fact, I want to extend a threefold invitation. An invitation for people to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Maybe you've never declared your faith, placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to consider doing that tonight. This is a good time. This is the best time to do it. This is the appointed time for you to declare your faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him alone for your salvation. Transfer your trust from where it is to Him. Second invitation is for you to join the church. Maybe God has led in your being here, being a part of this group from Sunday to Sunday. God will lead you to put your life with us. Have you, have you prayed about it? Have you asked God? Have you asked Him for wisdom in it? Third invitation is for you to perhaps to get from where you are to where you want to be, repentance of sin in your life and, and coming to the Lord for rededication. Those are the invitations. We'll ask you to come on the first word. That's the best time while we stand to sing you come.